0: Welcome to Bite Size Dental Marketing. Today, I have Dr. William Buck with me. Dr. Buck attended Texas Tech University, graduating with his degree in 1988. He ended up getting married, then going to dental school at Baylor College of Dentistry in Dallas and graduated in 1992. From there, he relocated to Pampa, Texas, where he practiced for 21 years. And in 2013, Dr. Buck came to Fort Worth uh, to be closer to your kids. I think he had a, a son or daughter that went to TCU, if I remember right.
1: Both of my kids went to TCU. So that was, you know, we weren't really familiar with Fort Worth until my kids came down here. My daughter first, and then my son actually played golf some golf at TCU. So we just got familiar with Fort Worth and loved it. And when we decided we were gonna make a big change in life, which is not usually what you do in dentistry, we decided this was where we wanted to live. So yeah. So we ended up here.
0: I would love to hear about from when you graduated to how you ended up in Pampa to however many later brought you to Fort Worth.
1: Yeah, that's a, it's kind of an interesting story. When you become a senior, there is a little panic that sets in because you're deciding, well, gosh, I'm fixing to have loans come due and I don't have a job and what's it going to look like and where am I going to go? And There was a moment I was actually going to go to the Air Force with a friend of mine, and we had actually gone through the whole process, and we were going to go in as captains and thought that that may be kind of a career choice, but other opportunities came up. My friend was looking at dental practices and said, hey, I see this practice It's in a small town and..." Texas Panhandle, and I know you're looking for a small town to go to, and this might be something you're interested in. So just by chance, I was turned on to this lead, and we drove up and met a dentist who was wanting to transition out of his practice and and make a move. And it was a great town for us. Whenever we were looking, my wife was pregnant. And so we um, loved it, loved the couple, seemed like a good fit for us. And That's how I ended up in Pampa, Texas.
0: Now, from 92 when you graduated to today, what has been the biggest quality of life improvement for you as a dentist at the office? You
1: know, in 1992, the dental landscape was much different than it is today. When I went to that practice, we were keeping paper ledgers. We had... A big paper appointment book, not computerized in the least. It was old school. And so when we would do (laughs) send out billing statements, it was a process of running off copies of the ledger, stuffing envelopes, sending them. When you get out of dental school, and every dentist you talk to will tell you this, you don't know a darn thing about running a dental office and running a business. You know how to do a filling and a crown and take a tooth out. But as far as running a practice, you don't know a hill of beans. So you're 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 going out a little handicapped in the beginning. So I remember sitting back and kind of watching everything for six months, and just seeing how everything was done, and then say, okay, this is this is how we want to do it. And um, my very first computer system was Easy Dental, not very functional, but. That was like a giant leap into the future for for the staff that was currently there. And uh, that made things a little bit more efficient. And then we went to digital x-rays. We used ScanX, which is kind of a hybrid of digital x-rays. They're digitized phosphorus films. uh, But things were all combined in the chart. So, you know, at some point, you don't have paper which was a huge convenience. And so I think just the digitization of dentistry has made it mm. much more enjoyable to practice. Now, whether it's whether it's that much more efficient and a cough saver, I don't know about that, but it sure made it more enjoyable and a lot easier to practice and extract information and just day-to-day functions. So I think probably that's been the biggest change is just, the way dentistry has computerized over time.
0: Do you feel like you had more people on staff then or because I, I will tell you, there were agencies, advertising agencies back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. You know, everyone's seen Mad Men, all that. They managed to get their creative out. They managed to service clients. They've managed to take care of that, And they didn't have substantially more people. And I sometimes wonder where the efficiency gains go. Cause obviously stuffing envelopes of all these things and making copies, like did that efficiency go somewhere else? Did it translate? Do you think that dental today gets a higher quality of care or is it just more digital? Walk me through your thoughts on that topic. Cause I, I don't know so that's that a my really
1: good question.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't know that a client today in a marketing agency gets serviced better than they used to. I think that, you know, and it used to be ran on blackboards.
1: That's, that's a great question and a great look at it. Um, I think day to day operations, I think that there was, there's less time following up because you can send claims electronically. The turnaround is much faster than just snail mail. Mm -hmm. Uh, having things uh, done electronically, like insurance claims and billing, does allow more time to maybe spend with a patient presenting a more comprehensive plan and financial arrangement than maybe it otherwise would. In my earlier days, I would have an extra staff member that wasn't a very highly trained highly skilled person it may be somebody with an after school job who's doing some of the work of stuffing envelopes and addressing envelopes mm. and doing things like that now it seems like the employees are more highly trained and focused and you don't have those little you know after school jobs for somebody to come in and do some of the work that people just didn't want to spend their time so I think it has made it efficient as far as your interaction with the patient and what you're able to deliver from that standpoint. Now, whether it really does make you more productive, I'm not sure if that's actually the case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You only have two hands and two feet, so you're only going to be so productive, you know, in essence. But it does... It does let you extract a lot of information and maybe tailor your practice more than it would be before we had all this information at our fingertips. But I think now, it can work against you a little bit as well. You know, people get so look at everything so granular; it can almost you lose the big picture.
0: I think that's where, that. That's almost exactly where I was going to go. I I think that as efficiency gains happen, we find new ways to become inefficient. I, uh, you know, we find more ways to waste time and waste money and, and things like that that don't necessarily well, translate no Instagram to Instagram
1: and Twitter and Facebook either. So that's right. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure there's a little bit more of that going on than there used to be, too.
0: Now, if you think back over the last, you know, 21 years in Pampa and the last 10 here in, you know, a Fuel and Crossing Dental there in Fort Worth if you could go back sort of think in terms of those, you know, the, so the, the entire scope of the 31 years and the last 10 years, what would you have told yourself at each of those moments? If you could, well, if you could sit down and have a, have a beer with, you know, young, young Dr. Buck, what are you saying to him?
1: Well, I, this is really interesting because I feel like I've been in two different dental worlds. You know, when I started in Pampa, It was a rural setting. I was fortunate when I bought the practice right when I get out of school and the dentist that sold it stayed on and we worked together for several years. He was technically my employee, but you know, he was helping me learn the ropes. And I remember he just told me, you need to start saving now and save young and you know start working to that end so there's you know personally i would tell a young dentist you need to start really putting away money back don't get enamored with all of the technology that's out there i would really start planning your personal finances early because dentistry's can be unpredictable you're you're your one-man show all it takes is a health problem or something you know strange to come along uh, so he told me to do that, and also as far as the business side of it, and it's a very simple thing. Um, when you're a solo practitioner, you're you're your HR, you're hiring, you're firing, and you're doing all of that. So he said, don't ever hire anybody you can't fire, which he was saying, don't hire family and friends or acquaintances <laughs> or people like that. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So you know, the biggest challenge that I'm sure everybody says is the biggest challenge in dentistry is. Staff and staffing and the business side of it, the dentistry part are generally the same as when I got out. There's some really cool things out there, but actually, procedures haven't changed tremendously. Uh, so, that part of it you feel comfortable with, but the business side of it, these pressures of the business side of it over time have really changed and are completely different than when I started.
0: I don't know that we have a young dentist right now that doesn't, that's not over a million in debt. And I'm sure that you had debt coming out of dental school and buying the practice, but I would be willing to bet that the earning to debt was not so out of balance as it was back then as it is today. The amount of stress that generates got to be shocking. Um, And I think that's why they chase these procedures sometimes that I think sometimes young dentists are chasing procedures that I don't know that they're, ready to do the, the big all on fours and full mouth reconstruction and stuff. It's not that they're not trained to do it, but I don't know that it's good for me to market your first full mouth reconstruction ever. Um, a year in, two years in.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, I'm just speaking from my experience and what I've seen in dentistry and my interaction with other dentists and, there's, they are coming out with a lot of debt, and so there is a lot of pressure. And so, you know, there's been a big shift, obviously, toward, you know, a DSO model of dentistry and group practices, and because of the economics and the insurance plans and everything, there's, there's so much pressure that young guys who are getting out of school with a lot of debt It's very attractive to go to a DSO and have a guaranteed salary so you can service that debt. And then they're put on commission and there's metrics that the company wants you to kind of fall in line with. And there's those sorts of pressures that, you know, there's just a lot of overdiagnosis. I mean, I like to think that I'm very pro dentistry, but some some of my best business is coming from people who are just being oversold and they go in and it's like they're trying to get upsold at their pro fee. you know do you want to do this do you want to do you want to do the whitening do you want to do you know Invisalign and and you know that's a turn off especially for a certain generation of patients and it dentistry has become very retail to me mm-hmm. instead of professional over the years and that's a little disappointing and I'm you know the I'm just the old fart that's been used to being on his <laughs> island forever. And it's it's hard for me to see that. But it's, it's just like I had a friend who's a pharmacist in Pampa. It's just like what's happened to pharmacy. You know, medicine made that switch years ago where everything has coalesced into groups. Uh, and dentistry, you know, it's going to be there. That's just the market forces. Uh, but it does, it leads to skeptical patients and patients not, feeling that their best interest is necessarily at heart. It also leads to some some guys getting in a lot of trouble out there. Trying to um, you know, hit the home run instead of just doing meat and potatoes dentistry and servicing a, a group of patients and somehow making that efficient enough. So yeah, it's it's a tough one. That's a tough question and I, you know, I feel for these guys coming out of school with that kind of debt. It didn't used to be like that. So it's <laughs> a shame.
0: Owning a practice sometimes, or owning a, a a company sometimes, has this lonely feel to it. What were the moments of your career that you felt alone on the island? Because I, at least in my industry, and, and it feels like in technology, there, there there's less competitive sharing uh, problems. Like like my my field tends to be more uh, built around banding together and learning what you know the the market forces and consumer research. It feels like dentists become fairly myopic. Did you feel alone through your journey? And what were the key points of, of that?
1: Well, I don't know how much color you want on this, but I'll, I'll kind of give you I'll take all the color yeah. you want to give. All right, let's give you some color here. My very best friend we went to dental school with. We met in dental school and our wives. We had kids at the same time. I mean, we were connected at the hip. And when I, he is the one who found the practice for me in Pampa. He didn't want to go to a small place. And so when I went to Pampa and I was working with the dentist that I purchased the practice from, after about five years of being there, another dentist came down on the driving range at our golf course and said, hey, do you know anybody that might be interested in coming up here? And I just kind of jokingly said that to my friend who is struggling out in Rowlett. He opened a practice in Rowlett before ralette was big so he said i was just kind of half kidding i said hey won't you move up to Pampa? it'll be fun you know we got kids and well lo and behold he ended up buying this guy's practice and my best friend moved up here and we ended up being you know A half a mile apart with our separate practices so in a strange way i had we could we were always able to bounce some of these things off of when you have maybe a a problem with a staff member you're not sure how to handle it it's like hey man what do i do and i had somebody to go to see ease with so that was very that was great it was awesome um unfortunately he passed away a few years ago and so since i've been here i've been more feeling like you're on that island because Mm -hmm. dentists are funny. They're very competitive. They're very driven. They don't like to share. They're always looking, you know, and so you're right. There is not a lot of sharing. Uh, And I've never been the most gregarious. I'm more of an introvert. So it's not Uh my, my strong suit to go out and small talk and be part of every dental organization there is. So, you know, fortunately, you know, we've got Google and, YouTube, and you can kind of find a lot of answers to things that you weren't used to finding answers to, but it's tough. And that's the attractive part about, you know, banding and having some partners because you do get some of that. And that's a very attractive part. On the other side, they can be really messy sometimes and messy relationships and don't always have the same business outlook and, you know, practice philosophy that maybe you would have as a solo person. So there's always give and take and that's just the nature of the beast.
0: It's funny you mentioned that I had a I had a business partner one time and he his name's Tarek Brooks. He's a fascinating human being uh, uh, one of my just most pure kind souls in the world out there and but he ran business development for a man named Bob Johnson. And and Robert Johnson is a is a very wealthy man that owns lots of banks and, but if you wanted a deal done with Bob Johnson, you basically had to go through Tarek and and Tarek ran a lot of businesses for him, so Tarek had seen a lot of deals uh, go down, more than you and I have seen in our life. Right in a month, he's you know he saw more deals, and he said, you know, you need to understand that it is more expensive and complex to divorce your business partner than it is your wife. And you better pick them good. And I remember that so well. And that God bless Andre, I would, you know, um, better than I deserve. But yeah, it's, I don't think people understand how complex it is to divorce a business partner. And if you think about through the years, because even over the last 10 years, I think my ambitions have changed in what I want in my personal life. And I think that's cascaded into how I run the company. And so a good example of that is you were talking about over, uh, over um, analyzing patients and, and over, over treatmenting I think we used to take DSOs and anybody and, and and I love the dentists who are getting becoming fee for service and 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 dropping insurance because that to me is where my passion is and I don't need to be the biggest agency I just want to be the best at servicing those guys and girls you know like like that's what I like
1: yeah, yeah. and that's a very mature view of, of your business <laughs> and that's that's the part that in dentistry it, as a you have to figure out what you want to be, what is my philosophy, what what am I looking to get out? Are you just trying to throw up, you know, really big numbers and expand and, hey, I want to open another one here and I want to get an associate and I want to be this giant, you know, group practice and, you know, so I can sit home someday and, and just, you know, get the mailbox money. But it just, you know, it is so complicated and it is a profession and it is ever-changing and sometimes less is more. And um, that was one of the reasons I'll go back to my, my friend and we're in Pampa. You know, we were never really felt like competitors and we never went down the road of, hey, let's practice together because we just knew early on that that probably wouldn't be good for the friendship. We were so intertwined personally in our families that that was probably not the right thing to do. And when I did end up moving, to Fort Worth and made that decision that, you know, our kids are gone. They went to college. We're, we're kind of done and we want a different thing for us as a couple. And I hadn't told my friend, I said, and then I broke it to him one day over hamburger. I said, okay, Greg, I'm letting you know. I've listed my practice. And he was like shocked and sad and, and everything. And then the next day he called me and said, hey, why don't you sell it to me? <laughs> So I ended up selling the practice to him, and it all it all worked out really well. It was kind of the blind squirrel story, but, mm-hmm. you know, it all ended up working well. But, um, yeah, it's complicated. It can be really rewarding to have somebody that you can talk to in this profession because it's very it's very stressful, and people on the outside, you know, because you deal with dentists, but people don't realize what happens behind the scenes at a dental office, how many moving parts there are and the dynamics and the overhead involved and it's it's a tough one it's a tough profession you better like it if if you're going to get in there and do it every day
0: i agree i find that your average person looks at a dentist's life and they see you know high income they see four days a week work schedule and they think it must be easy but it's anything but yeah
1: yeah, unless they want to have a flashlight on their head working in a, in a little dark hole with a giant <laughs> tongue. <laughs> you, you become more of a, a psychologist at times, and you're dealing with everybody coming in, and everybody's anxious, and everybody, most people are nervous, and it's not their favorite place to be. And the instructor we had, I think it was the dean of the school in dental school, the very first day of dental school when we went in. He got in front of the freshman class and he said, "Okay, guys, I just want you to know there's three reasons people aren't going to like to go to the dentist. One of them is that there is going to be a little discomfort uh, in the procedure. Let's see if I can remember these three. There's a little discomfort in the procedure. That's one, no matter how good a job you do. The other one is you invade their personal space. So we all have this bubble around our head that nobody is supposed to be in, except people you want to be in there. And dentists aren't usually that person. So we inflict a little discomfort. There's this invasion of personal space, and then they have to walk up and pay for that experience. So that's those are the three big reasons. And he was right on the money. Uh, so I, I always think about that when he got up there, because uh, it's definitely true.
0: The discomfort was funny. I... I heard a man speak one time, his name was Christian Coachman. He was a ceramist out of Brazil, I believe. And he talked about how, you know, every dentist out there talks about how gentle and how, 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 how amazing they are at giving injections and my patients don't even feel it. And he was like, Okay, then why do you hide it behind your back? You know, and <laughs> it was just kind of funny that no one likes that. And, and he was saying about how that, that is one of the few tools that has not changed in many years is the thing to give shots. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's it's, it's such an intimidating device. I'll
1: I'll tell you, Eric, that tool is also what creates more patient loyalty than anything that you have. Because if you have really good technique at giving someone an injection, that will keep them coming back more than anything you do for them. For sure.
0: (laughs) I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. It's that stress and anxiety. I know you sold your practice in January. What are you doing?
1: What's next? I I sold the practice and, you know, I transitioned for a couple of months. Obviously there's a lot of cases and Invisalign and a lot of treatment plans I, I wanted to complete. And, um, and the incoming doctor, Dr. Who, we wanted to get kind of up to speed and get his feet under him. So I kind of worked until I had hip surgery in March and, you know, was out for, you know, about a month, and I've been kind of going up and filling in. It's nice. He, I told him, I said, anytime you need me, I'll come up and you know, work if you want to take a vacation, which is great because I've really never had that. You know, go take a vacation. He's able to go. He's in a continuum this whole year, so every month he's out for a day or two on this long continuum that he's doing. So I'm still, you know, keeping the hand skills going and going up. And, Getting to do some of that, but right now I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what I want to do. I think I obviously like to utilize my dental knowledge in some way, but maybe not necessarily in the clinical side of it.
0: I need to introduce you to a couple of guys out of, um, that are doing some work in AI and they're looking for dentists that will basically train, them to help train the AI on how to read radiographs and how to how to do different things, and it's pretty fascinating where they're going. and And I'll, I'll certainly be happy to make that introduction. Well, Doctor Buck, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's it's always been a pleasure, and I love doing your marketing through the years. and And uh, man, we sure have missed you the last few few years. So, but uh, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you being on the show.
1: Yeah, anytime. I appreciate you.